and welcome to Vision Scope, a program designed to educate and inform on matters relating to disabilities. My name is Wilbert Williams. Hello listeners, we are happy to have you joining us today for another episode of Vision Scope. Recently, a group of us sat down with Senator Dr. Floyd Morris and he shared his life story and his personal development with us. Today, we bring you excerpts from that presentation on Tell It Like It Is, a program aired on UVC Radio every Monday starting at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or 5 p.m. Jamaican Time. So sit back and listen to this episode and I'm sure that there are many things in the story that we can take away and apply to ourselves. In addition to my voice, you will hear that of King Rocco from St. Lucia and Gary Camera, aka DJ Fire from North Carolina. We're happy to have Senator Floyd Morris with us. Senator Morris is a champion of the cause of people with disabilities and issues relating to disabilities. He is a graduate of the University of the West Indies. Um, he holds a PhD. He is a past president of the Senate of Jamaica. Um, he also, I, I believe, for a very, very short while, was chairman of the Jamaica Society for the Blind. Yes. <laughs> had to relinquish that because of higher duties. Yes, yes. So, Senator so Morris, welcome, welcome. Hi, uh, it's my absolute pleasure, Willie. Um, yeah. And greetings to the team, eh? Yes. So, so, Senator Morris, per perhaps you could start by telling us, telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, you know, again, I'm very grateful to be here with you, Willie, because you are a champion and you are one of the pioneers when I just came to Kingston as a freshly minted country boy. In 1991, you were there at the Jamaica Society for the Blind, uh, leading the organization as the chairman. And so, you know, you have played a major role in terms of shaping and guiding some of us younger generation of persons with visual disabilities. So it's my absolute pleasure to be on 
uh, this program. You know, Floyd Morris, a uh, little country boy from Baileysville, St. Mary, two miles out of the parish capital of Port Maria, born with my total sight, went to primary school and then passed my common entrance to high school. And whilst at high school, I developed problems with my sight and found out that it was glaucoma in 1993. And, you know, upon discovering that I had um, glaucoma, I had to struggle through the high school system because they never had any mechanisms in place to assist uh, children with disabilities, children who had visual challenges. So I just rock and rolled through the system and graduated in 1986 without a single academic subject, you know. And by the time I left high school and was there at home, wandering and um, twiddling my thumbs, not knowing what to do, and then blindness came at age 20 in 1989. And it was a really traumatic experience for me because, you know, being born with the sight and then losing it at such a, a, a tender age uh, was really difficult. So I said to myself, you know, I am not going to let blindness daunt uh, my progress. I'm not going to let it be a hindrance. And... I decided that I was going to reclaim my life. Uh, but how could I do this when I never had the financial resources to do it? Because I was, I'm from a very humble family background there in St. Mary. My mother was a dressmaker. My father was a fireman, but he migrated to Canada in 1978. So it was my mother who had the awesome task of taking care of me. But I decided that I was going to venture into a small business project, and that was to raise some chickens. And that I did uh, in uh, 19, between 1990 and, um, uh, well, up to... Um, <laughs> Up to about 2006, that business was going on. But what happened is it took on different stages at different times. But in, in its initial stage, it was a small business raising up to about 200 chickens. And, you know, that assisted me whilst I was at the Jamaica Society for the Blind going through my rehabilitation and my orientation and restarting my schooling at Michael Evening College, where I did my O and A level subjects. And in two years, I successfully completed uh, seven subjects, which qualified me for the University of the West Indies, where I went to do a Bachelor of Arts in Media and Communication. I did so uh, in, in over a three-year period and uh, successfully completed the, the degree in 1996. 
and got a scholarship to move on to do my Master of Philosophy in Government, uh, which I did at UWE as well, and I completed that in 2001. And in between that, I was called to national duty in 1998 to become a senator in the Parliament of Jamaica, becoming the first blind person to sit in the Parliament. And by 2001, I was promoted to a Minister of State in the Ministry of Labor and Social Security, where I carried, among other things, responsibility for persons with disabilities and ushered in the Disabilities Act of uh, Jamaica. And I served in that capacity as Minister of State until 2007, I was out of the parliament after we lost the election in 2007, and I was reappointed in uh, 2012. I had started my uh, PhD in that year as well, and you know I successfully completed the PhD in 2017 some 31 years after I graduated from high school without a single academic subject. And uh, during that time as well, I was promoted to the president of the Senate of Jamaica, which, you know, is another uh, significant accomplishment in that I was the first uh, person with a disability to have done so. And so, you know, the, the journey has been... Good. I am currently deeply embedded in academia. I am a senior lecturer at the University of the West Indies, where I head the Center for Disability Studies. I am the CARICOM Special Rapporteur on Disability, and I am I'm one of 18 experts sitting on the Committee on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities uh, across the world. So my mandate is to ensure that state parties are in fact adhering to the principles outlined in the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. So that constitutes who Floyd Morris is. Yes, um, quite a journey. That's um, quite a lot to take in. Definitely want to... Um to thank uh, Peter Gay for listening as well. And Sharmali uh, sends her regards to you, Doctor, as well. So, Hi, Sharmali. Hi, Sharmali. Yes, indeed. All right. Hi, Peter Gay. <laughs> yes. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit now about the Center for Disability Studies. Exactly what it is, what it does, and what, what, what is your role? What have you been able to accomplish in the Center for Disability Studies? Well, you know, the Center for Disability Studies is a research arm of the University of the West Indies, Mona, that focuses on issues relating to persons with disabilities. We drive the research agenda, training, public education, and advocacy issues relating to persons with disabilities. And so over the past uh 12 years of our existence, we have been driving um, the research agenda. We have uh, done research on sexual and reproductive health of persons with disabilities in Jamaica, 
looked at the whole situation of access and inclusion of uh, children with disabilities in the Jamaican education system. We have looked at uh, broadband and internet access for persons with disabilities in Jamaica. We have done uh, research on uh, modern technology and its transformational effect on persons with uh, disabilities in the uh, Caribbean. We have done uh, research on uh, the healthcare system in the Caribbean. We have done, we have established what we call the Regional Disability Index, that is monitoring and tracking the progress of countries within the region where persons with disabilities are concerned. Since 2014, we have had uh, um, uh, four regional disability studies conference looking at different aspects of a life relating to persons with uh, disabilities. And we are having, um, uh, on the 27th and 28th of July, a very special conference, interministerial conference of all the ministers with responsibility for persons with disabilities in the Caribbean, looking at specific legislation to protect the rights and dignity of persons with disabilities in the region. Um, and we have had a number of training seminars with public servants and public officials uh, in the uh, public health system uh, for persons with uh, disabilities and also in the security forces. We have had uh, training um, planned for media practitioners and youth with disabilities because we believe that we have to hand over the baton to a new generation of uh, individuals with disabilities and these individuals have to be trained. Yes. We have been involved consistently with public education through different seminars relating to persons with disabilities. Uh, every year, we do about two special lecture seminars on issues relating to persons with uh, disabilities. And I've managed to twin my role as director for the Center for Disability Studies, the CARICOM Special Rapporteur on Disability, and as a parliamentarian to advocate for issues relating to persons with disabilities in the parliament. So, you know, I mean, the tremendous activism mm. has taken place over the past 12 years as it relates to uh, persons with uh, disabilities and the Center for Disability Studies. Senator, I can recall with fondness um, the e-learning project, yes. which you pulled me into. Right. It was a great experience, and I think we accomplished a lot. You, you want to just, in a nutshell, say what the project was all about and what it did for um, special schools? You are indeed sharp like a razor, um, Sir Wilbert, because the e-learning project, was an initiative by the Center for Disability Studies to bring modern technologies to some special educational institutions across Jamaica. And the e-learning uh, project, which is responsible for 
bringing modern technologies to the general education system in Jamaica, you know, found a favor with the project. And we were able to secure the latest of technologies that are available for six special education institutions, the um, uh, Randolph Lopez School for uh, Persons with Intellectual Disabilities, the uh, Carberry Coast Special School, the, uh, the, the Listerbier Gilby School for the Deaf, Land Island Special School. Uh, there, um, uh, there were two others that I am not recalling the name right now, but you know, these institutions were given the latest of a technology. Salvation Army School for the Blind also yes, benefited. Uh, from uh, the was initiative on, on on hope. hope yes, and... yes, 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 and we 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 ensure that all the different types of disability uh, benefited from uh, the initiative because there was a component to the project that saw us uh, converting uh, six C sex subjects. Mm-hmm. into sign language so that deaf persons uh, can see the most sophisticated lecturers del- delivering uh, classes um, uh, and, and, and sign language being added to, to the, 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 the interpretation. So, you know, that project was um, significant and it has benefited a number of students with uh, Disabilities right across the the country. Yes, yeah, so I have. I'm sorry. Can I had a few questions. A little bit about your job as rapporteur for the Caribbean. What does that entail? Well, in 2013, the um, Caricom heads of government had mandated that a special roadmap be charted for the region where disability issues are concerned. And we had a conference in Haiti, uh, Patientville, Haiti. And coming out of that conference, we had what is called the Declaration of Patientville, which outlines a number of areas to... uh, um, for governments within the region to adhere to when it comes on to disability issues. And as a part of that roadmap was the establishment of the Office of the Rapporteur on Disabilities. And in that context, I was appointed by CARICOM as the Special Rapporteur to monitor the implementation of the CR, uh, the, 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 the Declaration of Patientville. And I've been working with different countries and organizations subsequently to try and push the disability agenda. And that is why we're having this conference coming up in at the end of July to get the governments to establish specific legislation to protect the rights and dignity of persons with disabilities. Gary, you had a couple of questions you wanted to pose. Oh, yeah, but I was wondering, uh, should we take a quick break before we get to those, or do we want to continue? 
It's about 20 till the top of the hour. And 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 the senators given us a, a very strict timeline. So got I gotcha, you, gotcha. All right, well let's let's push forward. Should we, should we go straight, Senator? Are you are you comfortable? All right, let's go for the tw- the next twenty minutes, and then we can take it from. Um, gotcha, the, gotcha, uh, gotcha. So I have a few questions, um, and I'll try to do one at a time. Let's give listeners priority first, and so um, I think there may be um, a general uh, lack of awareness about something. So maybe we can help clear something up. So um, our listener uh, Pizza Gate wants to know. Um, basically, when will the Disability Act either be passed or activated? I think there was a Disabilities Act passed in 2014 in Jamaica. So can you help us out with that? Yes. Um, the Disabilities Act was passed in 2014 when I was president of uh, the Senate. And, you know, um, I gave it my approval. The Governor General uh, gave it his assent from then. But it has taken a very long time for actual implementation because the Minister of Labor and Social Security has to set the effective date for the law to come into effect. And that that, um, has taken some time. And um, I understand that, you know, in very short order, the government should be implementing that legislation. But I I must indicate that I don't have anything to do with the implementation of the legislation right now because I am not a part of the government per se. I can only advocate for its implementation. Right. And there's there's got to be... There, there's got to be an understanding of how these things work. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Because I those that advocate are not necessarily responsible for implementation. Responsible for implementation. Right. You know, I we that one of the limitations is the, right. the fact that they were talking about setting up tribunals. Exactly what, what, what are they talking about? Tell our listeners that you might have a little more understanding than we have. What, what, what would be the role of tribunals in, in, in all of this? Well, you know, the tribunal, what, what, is, what is happening is that the government is setting up a sort of quasi-judicial body that are akin to the Industrial Dispute Tribunal, uh, where if persons with disabilities have been discriminated against mm-hmm. uh, um, and subject to investigation from the Jamaica Council for Persons with Disabilities, the, the matters can be referred to the uh, Disability Rights Tribunal for hearing, which it it will reduce in a significant way the expensive process that a person with disability would undergo if they should carry through the regular uh, judicial system. And your hearing... Yes, yes. And, and, and it, it must be pointed out that this is not to say that if a person with disability feels discriminated against, they can't take it in the regular um, uh, court system. But, you know, the, the justice system works in a particular way where it follows a process. And so they would want to make sure that the matter is... Uh, uh, brought to the Disability Rights Tribunal 
and all the grievance procedures are followed. So, you know, um, that is just one aspect of the uh, various mechanisms that must be pulled together yeah. um, uh, for the minister to set the effective date. There are other things, for example, the establishment of codes of practice uh, um, um, on, on different issues relating to persons with disabilities to prevent discrimination. So yeah, the need for codes of practice for employment, for healthcare and education, because these are big ticket items in the legislation. Right. And there's also the building code, which is also which is already in effect um, through the um, Building Act 2018. Um, and then, you know, the, 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 the JCPD is going to become a statutory body, a body corporate. That's uh, a make a council for persons with disabilities. Right, right. They are going to become a body corporate, which simply means that, you know, they will have uh, statutory responsibilities. Um, they can, they, they, they will be uh, responsible for their, 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 their um, budget formulation, although they will continue to get funding from the consolidated fund, but they won't be uh, controlled by the Ministry of Labor and Social Security as they are now, you know. So it will become an independent department in the ministry, uh, independent agency of the Ministry of Labor and Social Security. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's a number of things that is going to, 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 to happen. And over time, over time, persons with disabilities should see an improvement in the service delivery to them. Mm. Awesome. So, gotcha. Um, one, one other quick thing. I know that in the, let me let this person in real quick. So one of the thing that um, in the United States, you have a, Let's just use blind people as an example, because um, you guys are actually across the board as far as uh, the the various disabilities that you represent. And so, you know, like here in the United States, you have the TBS program, which is a Teachers of Blind Students program, which essentially says that you're certified to teach blind people. Um, are there certifications that, you know, uh, persons or companies uh, can attain at this time in order to say that they are in fact uh, certified to you know teach uh, certain individuals with certain disabilities or are there uh, things in place that can help um, companies um, show that you know they are you know certified and different things like that you know as far as uh, accessibility via universal design and stuff like that um, you know, certain levels of conformance. Are there things like that in place at this time, or is that um, something that is still in the works? Well, uh, there, there isn't a program of that magnitude in Jamaica at the moment. What we have is uh, special education teachers. These are individuals who are trained through the teacher training colleges and also at the University of the West Indies 
um, they, they are trained to teach persons with uh, different types of uh, disabilities. And um, they would end up getting either a, their teacher diploma or a um, Bachelor of Education in special education um, from the respective institution. But apart from that, we don't have these uh, post-secondary certification um, programs that, you know, say uh, um, Mr. Camera is able to uh, teach, is certified to teach yeah. individuals you- in uh-huh. universal design or um, uh, yeah, different, different disability models and stuff like that. Right, I'm, right. And I guess I'm not really aiming for them being able to teach universal design, but basically um, be able to be certified to teach a certain group of students based on their disability, you know, whether it be intellectual um, or blindness or being deaf, um, you know, like certain levels of conformance as far as that's concerned. And I think that might be something ideal that you know, once once we kind of uh, alleviate the bureaucracy of the first Disability Act, maybe kind of um, move into like the 2.0 of, okay, now we have a foundation. Let's set some levels of conformance and some success criteria across the education system, uh, as well as the public and private sectors. Yes, yes. Most, most, most definitely. Standardization is going to be critical, you know, so that... Yeah, because then everything else, otherwise everything's just gray, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Senator, earlier you spoke about the the Center for Disability Studies and the amount of research. Are these papers and documents available to the general public? Ah, certainly, most certainly. There are some of the documents... There are some of the documents that are available online um, uh, on the center's website at cds.mona.ue.edu. And you can just type in the search there and you will find the document center with different uh, research that we um, we have done. Uh, then, you know, uh, I, on the international arena where I have been doing a number of peer-reviewed publications, these documents are, are, are to be found in different journals and different books that have uh, participated in terms of book chapters and so forth. Yes. So it's, uh, it, it, the, the information is out there most the most recent that i have published is in a journal called disability and society one of the most prominent disability studies journal across the world and that article is entitled uh, prospects for the employment of persons with disabilities in the post covid 19 era mm. in the developing countries and that uh, article article basically looks at the situation of remote work mm-hmm. for persons with disabilities in the post-COVID environment because 
the, the COVID environment has shown us that work can be successfully done and efficiently done via uh, remote mechanisms. Oh, yes. And, you know, persons with disabilities have advocated for this for years. Oh, yeah, definitely. People, people found all manner of excuse and said that that was not possible. Well, then uh, came big, bad COVID and <laughs> showed the world <laughs> and has shown us <laughs> that <laughs> it is a fallacy. The arguments that they have used to prevent True. the employment of persons True. with disabilities remotely is fallacious. And so right, you know, right. we, we, we now are going to see our remote work as a standard feature True. of our employment going forward because remote work is here to stay. Yeah, and as a as a shameless plug, of course, um, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, UVC or United Vision Connect, we basically um, implemented uh, about eight weeks worth of teaching to try to teach um, to try to teach blind people. Was really was our aim, blind and visually impaired people, to teach them yeah. um, how to be more productive in a in a remote working environment, and how to, hey, to put it this way, but um, how to really capitalize off of a crisis situation, yes. oh, you know. Yes. And so that's that's you know we we're trying to kind of spearhead that effort to really put people in a position uh, to be able to you know find themselves in a remote environment. And be successful. And I agree. Um, it's definitely something that uh, people with disabilities can do. Uh, we've been doing it here in the U.S. for about the past year or so here at LC Industries. And, um, you know, if you put enough teeth behind it, it might be a reasonable accommodation for certain groups of people with disabilities. Right. So, absolutely. Um, you know, working with that. So, sir, um, have you have you written a book and is that book still available? Can people purchase it? I I have written I have written um, two books now. Um, uh, there's the first, which is my autobiography, uh, by faith, not by sight, and that book um, is uh, available um, online. Uh, uh, Wow, the name of the online portal um, slipped me just now, but I will remember it before I I finish. But um, Kindle, perhaps? No, it's not. It's not Kindle. Not, not Amazon. It's, and it's not Amazon. Um, uh, I, 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 I will. I will. It will come back to me because I've gone. Um, I'm not the person who handled those things you know right. so right but you know um there's another book that i have out um which was published last year and that is um uh, uh, uh my phd thesis that i um uh, converted into a book looking at political communication strategies in post independence jamaica oh, that's Mm. And that is available at the UA Press online. Um, uh, I think they, are, I don't know if they have moved to an electronic version as yet, 
but they can the copies can be had from uh, uh, um, from from UE Press. I'm going well. to be I'm going to be facetious and ask you if mm. you would take the next five minutes and give us a, a synopsis of what is in the book. Which one of them? Which one are we talking about? The second one of the book. The, the, the politician the one. Okay. That fascinates me. The, the, the <laughs> book, um, Political Communication Strategies in Post-Independence Jamaica, basically looked at the communication strategies and approaches of three of Jamaica's um, longest-serving leaders, Michael Manley, P.J. Patterson, and Edward Siaga, mm. uh, from 1972 to Great 2006. Mm. In fact, it is the first volume of two volumes, because I'm currently working on volume two, awesome. which is going to be looking at the period from 2007 to present. Mm-hmm. So that period would capture uh, uh, Portia Simpson-Miller, Bruce Golding, and Prime Minister Andrew Holness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and, and what, it, uh, what it has done in, uh, uh, is, is to highlight the various communication strategies that Michael Manley, Edward Siaga, and P.J. Patterson mm-hmm. used in terms of communicating to the masses uh, through the different initiatives, the different programs and policies that they implemented uh, in in healthcare, in education, in public transportation, in uh, um, uh, you just name the social service in, in terms of the economy. You know, I, I zeroed in on how they communicated those programs and policies to the citizens and made a determination on how effective those programs and policies, those communication strategies were to the Jamaican people. So that is a synopsis of what the book entails. Thank you very much. I'm much obliged to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely interested in getting those two books. Um, and I mean, we do have people uh, that work with UVC who have published their books on Kindle and stuff like that. So if there's any way we can, you know, help you with that, definitely reach out to us and let us know. Um, yes, because thank you very we, much. Yeah. We, we would, we would love to link to your material. I mean, we want to make sure that um, those among us who are, you know, really putting the work in the groundwork to really make, um, you know, inclusion a reality for people with disabilities want to make sure that those people um are promoted and so definitely um, definitely interested in in working with you in the future in regarding that particular um situation let let me state that um, i have a copy of the first book well well uh, i'll tell you this man the the second book i will definitely believe my answer the second book oh man i want to read that book (laughs) (laughs) i want to read that i'm telling you that that's my feel man i love that Yes, so so you can you can um, just type in the title, um, or you can go on um, uepress.com and uh, you will see the um, the the um, 
the 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 the, the um the link to the the book um there you know so it, it's uh, it's available online is definitely definitely want to welcome Kelisha as well I don't mean to cut you just want to welcome a few people um definitely want to welcome Kelisha from oh, Jamaica the, 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 the book well. is the, the first book is available on bookophilia bookophilia all right yeah yeah. I'll definitely be Google is my best friend, so we'll find it. Trust me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so welcome to Kalisha from Jamaica, as well as Walter from South Africa. Hi, Walter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, is there any possibility of um, getting the first book in e format? Because that book is very motivational. You know? Yes, it is. It is possible. Um, what happened? Uh, there were some challenges with the with the publisher. Oh yeah. And so you know we 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 haven't um, advanced the work, but definitely an e version is uh, is is possible. I wanted to do some upgrading work uh, to that. Um, but I have been advised to wait a little bit because of some uh, pending developments um, before I um, put out the second edition because there are about there are about two chapters that are going to be added to 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 the book. So you know, um, I I I would definitely wait on that. Um, for some additional work uh, sometime probably next year. So it will be like a second edition. Right, a sec- second edition. Mm. Uh, welcome, welcome, Asif from Guyana. I Asif. We, we, we couldn't let you go without asking you from where you sit, how has COVID affected people in the Caribbean? Question. Well, you know, I mean, from just talking to individuals across the region, you know, it has had a deleterious effect on persons with disabilities. And I'll tell you why. You see, the infrastructure for persons with disabilities prior to COVID, the infrastructure was very weak. So you can imagine... Uh, category five hurricane uh, uh, um, coming and just running, uh, ravaging a little shack that is on the the wayside, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, That is what has happened where COVID pandemic is concerned uh, because educationally, we have been set back. I mean, a lot of persons with disabilities don't have the modern technology that is needed to uh, um, participate. Leverage the playing field. Online learning during this time. So children with disabilities have been set back tremendously where that is concerned. You can just imagine the health care system that is uh, very unfriendly to persons with disabilities. Staff members are not trained 
how mm. to relate to persons with mm-hmm. disabilities. So true, once a person with a disability uh, is affected by COVID, it is going to cause complication. It is going to cause problems because they are yeah. not able to communicate to the deaf. They are not able to interact with the blind. You know, I mean, all of these problems are, are, are exacerbated. And true. then the social security systems that are in place, you know, don't take much uh, uh, um, emphasis on persons with uh, disabilities. And worse of them all, the vaccine initiative across the Caribbean has been abysmal for persons with mm. disabilities. Yes. You know, mm. I mean, I have been talking to persons with disabilities throughout the region and certainly in Jamaica have been begging and pleading to the authorities. I say, I am willing to assist you in mobilizing persons with disabilities uh, in terms of getting vaccinated. And, uh, you know, I mean, we are treated as a bastard child, you know? Mm. Mm. Yes. I wow. must confess, I, I didn't have any difficulty getting mine, but I can imagine people, people with disabilities in the rural areas and so would have serious problems getting to the centers. Why can't the, the, the vaccine go to the individual? Is there, is there any possibility? You know, you, you, you know, that's a good question. The, the fortunate thing about you, Wilbert, is that you are in the senior ca- citizen category. Yes. And yeah, so... Good. Yes. And so the emphasis was on senior citizens. Yes. And um, you would 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 end up getting that assistance. Yeah. I got mine fortunately because um, because <laughs> of um my role as a public servant. Yeah. And you know, it's an important function front as a public servant, front, yeah. frontline public servant. Yeah. Why is it why is it like that? Why? I mean because, for example, not going to issue, I know here in St. Lucia, um, to be honest with you, the government, for persons who are differently able and senior citizens and stuff like that, the government actually been sending um, the, 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 the vaccine team to the home to give person the vaccine, um, to vaccinate um, individuals. All you just got to do, um, call them, call, call the, I think it's the, the health service or something like that, and um, they actually come and administrate, uh, administrate the vaccine. You don't necessarily have to go. Um, well, wherever. you know, I mean... Those are some of the options that I personally put to uh, the the government, um, you know, uh, through different means, through different communication channels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, uh, frankly speaking, I haven't seen the, the push, mm. you know. There has been a tremendous push for senior citizens, yes. right? That's true. But... The, the 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 same can't be said for persons with disabilities and i know that based on the center for disability center for disease control guidelines the cdc guidelines they have made it clear that um persons with disabilities should be treated as a priority group in tier 1a Absolutely. or tier 1b mm. uh dependent on the nature of right. the disability. Right, but we have to also look at CDC is, you know, they are primarily U.S. And so, you know, yeah. some might be indifferent to their recommendations.
True. Yeah. That, that is that is so true. Uh, uh, there's a question I would like to ask. I mean, I know it's not relating to when and with this, the um, disabled because I was listening to the news a couple of days ago and stuff like that, and it was saying in Jamaica, um, there's uh, and then you guys have the AstraZeneca vaccine, and uh, persons who get the first shot of the AstraZeneca um, for to get a second dose of it, the government don't actually have like the um, the vaccine at the moment to give persons the second shot. I mean, they got to be using some. Some other vaccine? I mean, can you elaborate no. a little bit on that? No, that, that's not necessarily accurate. I mean, they, okay. they, 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 we had, the government had run out of a vaccine, but they have received a, 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 a stock of vaccine from Mexico. From Mexico. Yeah, 60,000 doses. 65,000 doses. Yeah. That would take care of... Um, those individuals who are uh, in the system and got uh, and are supposed to get their second job okay. for the AstraZeneca. And there are other um, uh, doses of the AstraZeneca that is supposed to be coming in the island um, from the COVAX facility and the African platform uh, by, by next month based on the government schedule. So there isn't, whilst there are discussion about mixing and matching mm. uh, the different uh, vaccines, right. we, we have not reached there yet. Mm. And, and the, the, so, so, so the AstraZeneca vaccine is the only one being administered now. And then the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, mm. the government is going to start get... Um, uh, a, a number of that from uh, right. the, the African platform come August. Let me say thank you ever so much for you um, agreeing to come in and join us for this discussion. Yes, it has you. been enlightening. We have learned a lot and we would love to have you back another time at your convenience. Well, most, definite, most definitely, most definitely, Wilbert, um, you know, I, I, I am prepared to come back yeah. Um, to discuss um, further matters with you and the team. Uh, it's just so much to ask, man. Tell you yeah. That. yeah, definitely. You know, it's, so, it's been great. If you have any questions or comments regarding this program, please address them to norwill2 at gmail.com. That is N-O-R-W-I-L-L number two at gmail.com Thanks for listening. Have a happy and productive week.